Hi, I'm Janet. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm a hundred pounder. Okay, I only have one picture, but it says enough. Um, my stomach um, arrived about 30 seconds before the rest of me when I came through the door, and um, and today it is, um, uh, you know, it, it's a stomach. You know, it does its function, and you know. Um, I'm really grateful, really, really grateful. I want to get the um, st- statistics out of the way. I've been abstinent since December 1st, 2014, and um, I, um, I'm maintaining 135-pound weight loss, 41, which I lost in this program. My story... Um, oh gosh trying to organize you know how I want to say this and I'm asking God to help and basically I had a very chaotic childhood Um, food was my first comfort my first friend it did something for me that it didn't do for others Um, I the first you know the first bad thing I was ever caught at was stealing a piece of bubble gum so um, and then uh, I had to go back and make amends and and apologize to the store manager that was really humiliating Um, I think I was five I think I was in kindergarten Um, I come from a family that is so crazy it's amazing that my sisters and I have any functionality. Um, it, you know, it, it was kind of like living with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Those aren't the droids you're looking for. You didn't see that. That never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. So um, I was overweight in junior high school. Um, I... Um, weighed about what I weigh now in high school but I thought that I was uh, really fat because my parents had a real problem you know I did have a very round stomach and very large chest and I looked like my grandmother on my father's side and it was a crisis for them so they started me off at the diet doctors the weight watchers the shots the you know at 14 and I became a sneak eater and um, they gave me money for food at school and um, I divided it up by five cent sweets. What could I get for five cents? And then I would have a stash that I would put in the hamper in, in the bathroom halfway down and then later that night I could go into the bathroom and have my secret stash. I made batches of Rice Krispies in the middle of the night and finished them off before my mother woke up. Um, I stole money from my father's change dish. I stole money from my mother's wallet and I used it either to buy food or to give it to boys I thought were cute. (laughs) Um, When I got to high school, I, you know, was... I was kind of a freak of nature because Twiggy was the in thing. And um, I was round and round. And I tried that brawless thing and it just didn't work. 
So I would, you know, I, I would wear the hippie clothes and I would just take my bra straps down so it would look like there was no bra on. I got sent to the vice principal's office where they then put their finger down the ba- your back. And, the, you know, they used to also make you get on your knees and they'd measure how many inches your skirt was. Well, we got to wear cutoffs by the time I was done with junior high. So that was the end of that. So... Um, my parents made my weight the most important thing in my life without exception. And it was always on the table, and my body was um, something that we all discussed, like I was some kind of, you know, fixer-upper project. Um, when I was 15, they put me in the hospital to test my pituitary gland because I was 15 pounds overweight. Not very dramatic. I lost five pounds in the hospital and my mother was pissed. I called a girlfriend. She came to the hospital with lots of change. We hit that candy bar machine. We got into the closet of my hospital room and we ate candy bars to stop the weight loss because all I was ever trying to do was, you know, make them happy. So that's where I come from. The binges started with, um, uh, uh, you know, restricting. First it was a restriction, then there was the binge. And I came to Overeaters Anonymous in, um, in 1980 when I was 23 years old. I um, didn't quite know what you guys were talking about. I got a sponsor. She didn't really like me, but she was taught never to say no to a program request. So what she did was she had me write out everything. I couldn't just call her and blab her. I had to read what was on the page, which gave me some really good um, program. Um, I stayed until about 1994. From 1991 to 1994, I could not get my abstinence back. I had six years of abstinence at the longest stretch that I ever had in those years. And in 1994, frustrated, thinking that I had to adhere to this food plan. I was really tied into a food plan that I could not do it and I walked away from the program. And I was close to 200 pounds and I tried everything under the sun for 20 years and I got up to 300 pounds and I stayed there for um, almost a decade almost a decade and my health um, suffered my one of my heart ventricles had doubled in size Um, I had sleep apnea so severe um, I had to stop driving and my doctor pulled an intervention and said you're not going to make it much longer if you continue in this track and this is just my story my story is I had weight loss surgery Um, The weight loss surgery did not fix my compulsive overeating problem because my problem has a spiritual solution. And it took me um, nine years of the insanity of going up and down 25 pounds, the same 25 pounds, up, down, up, down, up, down, until I finally, finally surrendered on um, November 30th, 2014 and I reached out for a God that I no longer believed in and said if you exist (laughs) uh, if you exist please 
help me. And it was from like the bottom of my toes that I was like beseeching this God I didn't believe in to help me. And a calm passed over me and I knew the problem had been removed. And the first thing I did was call the only person I knew on the, who was still in the program at the time, whose phone number was in my phone, and called her up and said, I'm abstinent for two minutes. Can you take my food? And she said, yes, of course. And then she said, I want you to meet me at the um, uh, 7.30 a.m. Sunday morning meeting. And I said, I opened my mouth to say, absolutely not. And yes, came out. <laughs> and... I was stunned, you know, um, because don't you know, I don't get up till 8.30 in the morning. Well, that was um, the first week of December in 2014, and I think I've missed that meeting once in two years, eight months. And it is the jewel in the crown of my program. Um, I know that several of you come to that meeting, and it is an amazing experience to be in a room of, you know, much like this, a room of people who are at, you know, normal weights, whose program is the most important thing in their lives without exception, and whose pleasure it is to get up at six o'clock or a quarter to six on Sunday morning, to be there amongst those fellows who, you know, we all count on each other to be there. And, um, you know, the statistics are, and I don't know if they're true, but statistically speaking, the psychology community says about 80% of us have, have uh, of 80% of us who have reached morbid obesity have childhood molestation issues. I don't know how true that is. It's true in my case. And having the courage and the willingness to work through those issues brought me stability for the first time in my life. I was forever quitting jobs and moving, quitting jobs and moving. I can't tell you how many rent control departments in Santa Monica I gave up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just stupid. <laughs> but I could not stay still. I couldn't stand still and it turned out I couldn't stand still literally because I had severe ADHD which is part of my story it was diagnosed 30 days approximately before I hit bottom and came back to OA because once I had medication for uh, I availed myself of the outside help and discovered this problem was neurological took the solution and within 30 days I knew without a shadow of doubt that I'm a compulsive overeater and that my life is completely unmanageable and um, I was disabled for five years the five years before I came into the program in 2014 I have fibromyalgia I've got bursitis of the hips I've got severe IT band dysfunction um, which is from the top of your hip to the top of the knee on the side and I was on a cocktail of medication so just so I could get some rest well about six months into my abstinence my fibromyalgia was um, um, uh, in remission was you know put in remission um, I got off uh, the pain medication that I'd been on for almost four years I 
I was back to work. I hadn't worked in five years. I was back to work. And um, as your as your humble um, uh, uh, special worker in Tradition 8, I work at the OA office in the San Fernando Valley, and I work at the OA office in the city. And getting right size after not making anything for five years, the what OA can afford to pay was like mana from the heavens to me. And um, I was really humbled and thrilled to, to be given some responsibility outside of my home. I have a little business I do on eBay and... Um, and, and that ebbs and flows depending on how much free time I have. But I wasn't even able to do that anymore before getting abstinent again. Um, what I do on a daily basis to recover, my abstinence is three meals and two snacks. Um, and um, like the speaker before, um, my snacks are protein and um uh, I have to eat this way because I changed my physiology and now I will go into hypoglycemia if too many hours go by without protein and um, some days if I'm really busy um, I'm okay other days if I'm not paying attention I'll just feel this feeling come up my spine and I know I've got five minutes to get protein before my limbs turn to rubber and it's really serious because I can I could go into a diabetic coma this is a side effect of having had surgery so I'm not I'm not advocating for it or against it it's just part of my story and a lot of people who've had it are too ashamed to admit it or um, get a food plan that works with your changed physiology and um, I availed myself of outside help um, back in December of 2014, I had a professional nutritionist who works with OA people help me work up a food plan that worked for me. She said, what do you want to weigh? I said, 165. She said, here's what you eat. Boom, done. And um, uh, then I decided I should weigh a little less, so I monkeyed with my food plan and went to 1,200 calories and was ready to kill my husband in about, you know, three days. So... <laughs> So I stick to my 1,400 calories, and, um, and empiric um, information is really important for me because I can go into la-la land about anything that's not right, black and white in front of me. I get up in the morning at 6 a.m. I am thrilled to be an early riser. I mean, I can't tell you jobs I lost because I couldn't get to work on time. Um, and... What I do in the morning is I read, um, I have six meditation books that I read, and then I meditate for 20 minutes, I pray, if my back's up against the wall, I write. Um, I, I, um, I wish I wrote more frequently, but it's one of the things that I struggle with. Um, when my serenity is upset, it is really clear to me because 90% of the time I am on even keel and I used to be a maniac and um, I am, my husband has no idea, he just knows his life got better and you know, 
and you know the dishes are done and you know my shipping tables folded back up after I've you know done my eBay stuff and you know things are you know becoming more orderly and um, he thinks I'm his trophy wife and I'm not telling him anything different <laughs> and um, and it, you know it, 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 it's a really Right now, we've been married 10 years, and we have a long history, long, long history, but we're, we've been married 10 years, and we're at, in such a delicious place with our marriage right now that it's just a real source of joy for me. Um, making God the source of my abstinence, making God the center piece of my um, program, is the, was the missing component for me for all of the years that I was here before. I said the third step prayer. I said the first three steps. I went through the motions, but I, I did not know a higher power the way I do today. Is it perfect? No. Are there, you know, Fridays and Sundays I dash out the door for my 7 o'clock and 7.30 meetings. Thank you. Um, I sponsor six women. Um, I spend 15 minutes on the phone with each of them um, Monday through Thursday. Weekends are catch as catch can. Friday is my day off. Um, I have to get up at six to do my work. Otherwise, they're going to get my human personality and they're going to stop calling. (laughs) And um, it is such a pleasure and a privilege to be able to work with others and I've learned that not everyone's going to abstain the way I abstain Um, I was really rigid in the beginning and um, there are people who can eat things that I can't eat and and it works for them and I let them you know if it works for them and they're not having trouble with it and they're not and they're obsession free and their bodies where they want it to be you know that is that's their abstinence. Um, I do suggest when someone comes to me new that they do 30 days without sugar or white flour and then decide after that whether that those foods, you know, interfere with their clarity or not. Um, I don't eat I don't eat recreational sugar. I don't eat white flour. I um, I avoid fried fruits. Fried foods, fried foods, um, and um, they don't digest well. I don't feel well after I eat something like that. This is about taking care of myself, being um, available to God, being available to my fellows, and um, I am having such a good time. And last year, I was able to buy myself a brand new car because my amends I'd made, my financial amends, my credit report improved. I had an income and um, somebody handed me the keys to a brand new Corolla. And I was like, "Okay, God, this is cool. I like this. And um, I told my husband, I'm going to go buy a car now. And he said, "Okay, dear. And then I came home with the new car, and he was like, oh, I guess some things have changed. <laughs> so um, for me, it is, it's an inside journey, but I have to tell you, I looked in the mo- mirror this morning before I left, and I saw beautiful. And that is a precious, precious gift, because I'm right-sized, 
and I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm ready to report and I'm available to my higher power. And I, I don't know what my life would be without Overeaters Anonymous. And thank you for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself um, because we're being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay, and then I'm going to restate the question after it's asked. Okay, yes. Hi, thank you so much, and thanks for coming out about the surgery. I talk about mine openly as well. Um, you say your husband has no idea what's going on. Does that mean you haven't talked to him about the program? And if you have, how did you tell him? And if not, why not? Okay, great. So the question is. Um, have I discussed program with my husband or not because I said that he doesn't know what's going on Um, I actually meant that humorously and um, he does know what's going on and he knows that my program is number one and it comes before um, social familial and marital obligations and if I don't have this program, then he's, you know, holding a bag of soot because I'm really not functional in, in a major way. I, um, uh, so he, he's aware of my program. He, he knows, you know, I get up at, you know, he, well, he knows I'm getting up early, you know, but I get up at before dawn to go to my, my, my two home meetings a week and then, um, whatever meetings I fill in or podcasts or, you know, he is very respectful when I'm on the phone. We have 636 square feet in our condo. And so I meditate while he's making breakfast. Um, so we've, he's learned to be respectful and um, not to chime in if I'm talking to somebody on the phone. Um, and um, in return, he gets a mate who's present and clear. Thanks for the question. Yes. Thank you very much. Could you talk about how you work step six and seven, please? Yes. Um, my favorite resource for step six and seven is Drop the Rock. Um, and um, and that book came from a workshop that these two people, three people I think it is, did. And um, it really helps me to look at my character defects because when I am uncomfortable the first thing I want to look at is what did I do what have I done because you know my my first thought is they did it to me they they did some somebody you know who you know who moved my cheese you know it's like it's always about somebody did something to me and then the retraining is all right, how did I participate? Because if I can look at how I've participated, then I've got options. Um, If I'm a victim, then I'm just a victim. And I do believe that with the help of my higher power, I'm 100% responsible for my experience on the planet. Nobody owes it to me. I don't have it coming to me. And I don't, and I don't, want 
everybody to get what they've got coming to them because there's things I've gotten away with. So I really, um, I really veer to that text and the big book. Um, the 12 and 12 we study on my Friday mornings and every time we get to a new um, step I, I go well I've never read this before like every time it, 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 it strikes me as something new so um, um, these character defects are best on paper um, I can then I can look at my what kind of fear right and the big book tells us that we have two kinds of fear fear of not getting what we want or losing something we have and it makes it really simple to look at negative emotions because um, if I'm if I'm if I'm scared or angry um, I'm I'm in fear basically and it scintillates down to those two things and then I talk to my sponsor and, and you know pray and I do have a God box that I'll write things down and put in there and then I'll look two weeks later and go, oh yeah, no, no where's that? Um, and you know, I'm, I'm turning 61 next week and I do have perspective, you know, because when I was in program in my 20s, everything was, you know, so dramatic and so important and, and over the top. And today I have more perspective and more patience to start with. So um, I feel really blessed for that. Adam. It's an hour and a half, and it's 15-minute intervals, and everybody's in a different place. So I will um, uh, I will start. I will start people off on the Westminster questions, you know, to do the first 30 days. And um, if they're brand new, for sure they have to do the questions. Um, if they have been through the steps and they did their inventory with somebody else, I um, put them on to six and seven and then um, that kind of then you've got another, you know, you've got another list to go through and, and you know, work, work out. Because most of our problems as compulsive people are with other people. And um, learning how to deal with other people. I used to say, I know Al-Anon is a solution, but what's the question? And the question is, how am I relating to others? And... Um, and you know who am I letting live rent free in my head right now and um, six and seven help us get down to um, those building blocks so I, I specifically focus on those and um, and then start at the first 30 if they're new and then you know it sort of evolves on its own at that point and then if they don't want to do it I tell them I don't want to just have a chat for 15 minutes you know so next yes oh the Westminster questions um, came out of the um, one of the first groups of Overeaters Anonymous and they are um, ten questions each on steps one two and three and in order to do them you have to have the big book the AA big book and the AA 12 and 12 they were adapted for the CEA How program in the 80s, but they really belong to Overeaters Anonymous. 
You're welcome. Thanks for your share. Uh, you mentioned your, your step nine amends and that it seems, seems like some really good things came out of that because then you would buy your car. Um, can you talk a little bit about your amends? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I practice living in, in, in a state of um, step 10. Um, I hate admitting when I'm wrong, but it's so much easier to do it immediately than to have to go back and set the scene. My amends, my first inventory, my amends were all, all about being a manipulative, um, uh, secretive, uh, lying, conniving, uh, witch with a bee. And, um, and so I had to make amends to people for, you know, I mean, I can't, I didn't exactly say, well, if I knew you, you either had something I wanted, knew somebody I wanted to know, or could do something for me that I couldn't do for myself. But that was the truth. I collected beautiful people and, um, and, um, and, and hooked each other up. And I mean, I had this whole social network that I did with, you know, I, I can't be that bad off. Look at how pretty my friends are. And I have no idea where that came from, but I, that was the, that was the line I walked. Today, most of the people in my life are, um, friends from high school, um, and, and, closely thereafter so I've gone through my amends with them um, my first uh, so so my first was making amends to people about my behavior this inventory was almost exclusively financial it turned out that everything in my life was about money I owed to people places and institutions and um, I in those five years that I didn't work, I had a disability claim, and it finally came to the fore when I was two years abstinent, and I got a chunk of money from um, my own Social Security. And those financial amends I had not finished by then, which were a lot, um, I was able to write a check. I was able to just write a check and, you know, and I didn't have to say I was sorry to collection agencies, but to friends that I'd owed money for 20 years, you know, they were like, oh, I didn't think I was ever going to see this. <laughs> and they had good reason to not think they were going to see it. And that has been beneficial. I've got two amends left to make. And... Um, uh, and my life is already, you know, so much freer. And it's really important. You know, when I got to the end of that uh, list and saw that it was all financial, I, there's a program for that. And, and I got myself there. And um, I feel so much better about myself today. Joe? Um, so this God that you Well, um, somewhere in between the God of Abraham and the Force. <laughs> because do I think that there's a personal God that cleared the traffic for me this morning? Yeah, 
I kind of (laughs) do. And even if it's not true, I feel better by giving the, the, um, the praise to, you know, that which did for me that I could not do for myself. And um, sometimes it's God the Father, sometimes it's God the Mother, and sometimes it's just the universe at, at will. And um, I don't belong to an organized religion. I've sort of picked everything that I... Um, liked about like science of mind and you know um, what I know of, of, of Judaism which is really you could fit it in a thimble um, and um, uh, I, I've made it um, into something I haven't made it into anything it has evolved as a result of suiting up and showing up and making myself available and some days it's crystal clear, and other days, you know, I see Alec Guinness out there with, you know, his lightsaber. <laughs> Any other questions? I want to thank Lauren for asking me to come out and share, and I do want to give one last statistic. I went from a 4X, you know, beyond a size 32, to today I'm a size 12. And that, for me, is a flipping miracle. I never, ever thought that I would be anything like normal-sized again. I had completely given up. And um, if you are struggling, I don't care if you're a size 0 or a size 10, if you're struggling and you're unhappy and your food is making your life miserable, please just don't leave. Just don't quit before the miracle. Thank you for letting me share.